This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we have a special guest, friend of the show, and a fellow iHarter, Anna Hosnier. Yay! 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 <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, can you introduce yourself for our listeners? Or reintroduce, I guess. Yes. Hi. <laughs> uh, I'm Anna Hosnier. I'm a managing executive producer here at iHeartRadio and co-host of the Ethnically Ambiguous podcast and producer of a bunch of podcasts. I'm sure you've heard like Daily Zeitgeist, Las Culturistas, this is important, you know, the whole iHeart comedy side. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And yes, you we were talking about the fact that you were previously on before me, pre yes, pre me. Pre you, yeah. Uh having a best conversation without me. I'm very sad I wasn't a part of that. I just want that to be known. Yeah, okay. yeah. It is okay. known. It is noted, known. Thank but you. But now we can have another conversation, a right. whole new conversation. So, yeah, we're fixing this. And, yeah, I've, we've been talking about having you on the show for a while uh, because you do have this vast amount of experience and titles under your professional belt. And we know you are someone who has been in the front of and behind the scenes of podcasting and all about it and are so excited to get your perspective on this very fast-changing and fast-paced industry. So thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me again, Annie. <laughs> not Samantha. I'm just joking. It's funny. Oh, I literally on. feel like we've podcast together. Like I feel yes. like I've been on this show with you because we've, you know, actually have podcasted together before in other yes. shows and stuff. But 
I guess you weren't there that first time. In my mind, you were. That's what's weird. It's like, okay. See, that's how I like it. Like, I've never, yeah. like, I was always here. You that's the way I want it to be yeah. uh, for all of our listeners as well as guests, that I've always been here even when I wasn't. Samantha has mm-hmm. always been here. Like, I'm the ghost. Yes. <laughs> you are kind of a ghost because you're in, like, a dark background. You're just, your head's in light. <laughs> it's just floating. I know. Yeah. I'm so close to the camera, too. I was like, I can't. Adjust my head and my <laughs> mic so I'm right up on the screen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and as in fact, I, I was just thinking about the fact my first experience with like a speaking as a podcaster was with you and Shireen and Annie in Florida. And that was like such a big deal. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah, we were on that whole panel. So this is kind of yeah. how I got to know the podcasting industry. Honestly, you and many of the folks of California, the uh, comedy, I guess, segments uh, are the first people that I actually met even before some of my Atlanta people which I live in Atlanta which I still think is funny mm-hmm. that's right we we really took Orlando by storm <laughs> during podcast movement there sure did sure Never we have some memories the, the Hilton Lazy River <laughs> oh I can't I try to <laughs> my favorite place <laughs> yes yeah, so I think you had a good experience as opposed to Andy and I getting stuck and having yeah. like a war story coming out of it going like we're never doing that again ever yeah. really? ever ever employees laughed at that us that lazy river <laughs> employees laughed in our face yeah yep. they wow. had to teach us how to they're like you you okay? Do you need help? <laughs> Literally, wow. as they're trying to clean up around us. We're like, oh, we can, we're stuck. We're sorry. Wow. That's a whole other show, though. <laughs> but yes, you are one of the first faces with Annie, as well as um, our, like our own producers of podcasting for me, um, because it was such a new thing. Again, it's been, it had been around, but it really started to turn on fire. Like, I was like, whoa, this people have jobs, like careers out of this. I say this to Annie, who's been a part of it for 10 years, but still, in my mind, it's so new. But I was really uh, blown away with the things that happen within podcasting and what kind of field it is and how um, there's so many layers within podcasting. that there It's a big industry, but it seems so small to me because you often think of the indie podcasts that have or the host that edit themselves and they try to publish it on their own. But when mm-hmm. you look at the the bigger picture about how much money is being made. And so I wanted to get into that with you, kind of like talking about the industry and what you've seen and how you think it needs to change or wh- what are the good things in it. But before we start there, how did you get into podcasting? I got into podcasting in 2013, 2014, around then, um, because I was working in live comedy producing. Uh, I was producing a lot of live shows uh, for stand-up and variety and improv around Los Angeles. And I met comedian Dave Huntsberger, who uh, is the best. Shout out, Dave. Uh, David, you guys might know him as David Huntsberger. <laughs> I call him Dave. No big just deal. Uh, no, I'm just joking. But uh, he asked me, he's like, wow, you seem really interested in like working in comedy. Like, are you interested in podcasting? And I was like, yes. I took a bunch of like audio courses in college. So I, I'm just really into like editing and working like with software. And, you know, I've done that my whole life. And... Uh, he was like, do you want to intern on a podcast I have at Earwolf called Professor Blastoff, uh, which was hosted by him, Tig Notaro, and uh, Kyle Dunnigan? And I said, yes. So that was like my first foray into podcasting. I started interning for their show at Earwolf. 
uh, which was a fun experience. Really cool. I got to sit in on recordings with like so many cool people, like Molly Ringwald from like 16 Candles and like, you know, a bunch of like really cool people like that, like Diablo Cody. Like I was like, whoa, like this is cool. And I also really liked Professor Blastoff because it was just a fun show. Um, And so that was like my first step into podcasting, kind of like watching how it gets made, kind of seeing the background of it a little. And then um, from there, like as I gained more experience, I started producing other comedians' podcasts, basically. And then I just Mm -hmm. like kind of went from there, really. Took off. (laughs) (laughs) Now look at me. But you started huge with... Earwolf, because I remember like one of the first podcasts I knew of outside of How Stuff Works, like Stuff You Should Know, was Comedy Bang Bang, which was signed yeah. on to Earwolf at that point in time. That's huge. That's a pretty big network for... Because Earwolf is kind of like along the lines of one of the first podcasting yeah, early, networks. Early comedy. I mean, that was... Comedy Bang Bang was one of the first podcasts I knew about as right. well. And I would listen to it. And then it was like cool to be in the Earwolf offices and like see like Scott Ackerman walk by right. and he'd be like, whoa. And now I <laughs> podcast with him. He guests on my shows. It's been like full circle. It's very surreal times where you you're like, wow. so cool. <laughs> <sighs> I'm exhausted. What can I say? I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. That is fair. Uh, uh, but you, so you've been, you've seen... This industry from when it was kind of like, you know, burgeoning into what it is now, which is, I have a game with Samantha where I'm like, oh, I love critiquing podcasts and like movies and TV because I so rarely get to do that. Like all my friends get to do that. But I'm like, ah, podcasting is now like a joke in TV. Uh, I know. (laughs) And it's hilarious. The ones who do it well, do it real well, you know, and you're like, yes, you get it. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We're curious if you want to talk about um, how you've seen it change. Like we recently did an episode on, you know, there's still some real issues with diversity in podcasting and how it's still like a lot of white men largely doing podcasting. Um, Is that something that you have seen? You have seen change? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I felt like for me, it was when it like kind of blew up and... I guess, like, I felt like it was a lot of the same stuff that we were hearing. Like, it was a lot of true crime. I mean, obviously, Serial, Sarah Koenig's Serial, like, popped off the, like, true crime sort of spree, if you will, pun intended, (laughs) uh, of, like, you know, like, that sort of... Uh, genre of podcasting. So I was in like, everyone's like, oh, we should be investigating. We should be investigating crimes to, in my opinion, uh, there's a bit of a, I have a bit of like a sort of ethics issue with that of like, right. it's one thing to be like investigating like a decades old crime, like what happened with Adnan Said, which is now like once again relevant in the news because Adnan just got out. But I feel like it almost went too far where all of a sudden people were like, this crime's happening in real time and we're going to solve it. And you're like, whoa, you're a podcaster. You know, you have to be like, let's just you know step on the brake. So like that went from like zero to a hundred. So I have kind of my own feelings about that. I feel like, you know, there, there really should be a line when it comes to uh, podcasting and there's a certain network uh, that uh, should tone it down. Uh, but <laughs> then, you know, we saw a lot of very similar ideas because people would see one idea and be like, that's a hit. Let's all try and recreate that idea, whether it be like mm-hmm. a news podcast or it be like a politics podcast or even just like very sort of like inane things of like, what my daily routine is or something like that. You know, these sort of like ideas I felt like kept bubbling up and people were always just trying to do them better uh, than the last person. And so mm-hmm. it became a, a lot of podcasts that were basically the same podcast competing to be number one, right? Whether right. that be in comedy, you know, news, science, like money, like uh, so many like investing podcasts came up. And you were right. Like a lot of these were hosted by white people. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was kind of like, okay, like, we get it. You know, like, <laughs> it's a lot, but we get it. Which is, like, why I wanted to start my podcast, Ethnically Ambiguous, because I was like, I feel like nobody really wants to talk about the Middle East, um, mm-hmm. which is sad because it exists and it, people always just, like, look down on it in a way of, like, oh, it's so sad. They just want to kill them, they kill each other out there. It's just always war. They're just... You know, like, we tried to help them when we invaded Afghanistan. <laughs> we right. tried to help them. But, you know, what? they don't even know what's what they need, you know? And the Middle East has been, like, strife with, like, American uh, 
you know, diabolical interference, if you will, like for years, for as far back as we can remember. And we're watching right. it happen. Like we literally just watched what went down in Afghanistan when we tried to leave and the Taliban took over and like right. people are begging to be taken out of there. And we're like, oh my God, that's so tough. Anyway, gotta go. Aren't you happy we're leaving? And it's like, you right. created this mess, you know? So right. we've watched that for years, generations of, you know, just unnecessary interference by the U.S., and I just felt like no one really wanted to talk about it, especially mm-hmm. after 9-11, because we'd already become, the Middle East had become this demonized figure. So, like, that's one of the reasons I want to start my podcast, I think the ambiguous, with my co-host, Shereen Yunez, because I was like, I don't feel like it, there's any, like, Middle Easterners taking the time. I mean, now there is, but, like, when we first started our podcast in 2017... I didn't feel like people were really talking about it. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was always just like white men reporting the news. And there was such always like a very clear viewpoint of like, it is what it is over there. And it's sad and it's tough and people are dying. And well, we tried to help them. And that right. was like a very clear stance I was constantly hearing. And I was like, well, that's actually not what it is. Right. This has been a a land that's been strife with literal just nonsense by every other country around it. No one really cares about these people. They just want to like, in a way, uh, tame them as truly horrible as that is. You know, like yeah. there, there was no, they just saw us truly like many other countries that they've colonized as savages. Like they were like, right. they don't know what they need. So I was like, we just need more perspectives from the people who are from these places or people who've lived these lives, have had these experiences. And like, you weren't really seeing that in podcasting because people were like, you know, I mean, and as time has gone on and, you know, we've really started to lean in to accepting people. And it's been a process in this country, especially like with people acknowledging like, yes, innocent black men are being killed by the police. Okay. Like one step. Okay. I'm starting to see it now, which is like, you know, everything in this country takes years for people to accept, you know, Americans are so, we're so hard on our own way of like, no, America's the land of the free. Nothing would bad would happen here. You come here for opportunity. And it's like, yeah, you come here for opportunity and like white supremacy and like right. racist ideals. You know, like that's, it's not just opportunity. You have to like form to a type of way of life. You have to give in to white supremacy to gain any sort of like respect or like, you know, to get anywhere in this country because that's right. what the uh, norm is. That's the status quo is like be as white as you can and people exactly. will respect you. Exactly. That's a, I di- but I digress, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Um, so like I was always like, we need more. Like it's not just like white guys talking about money, true crime or science or the news. Right. This world is so much more than that. And there's so much more going on that like I've always felt like we just needed more. And right. as podcasting has grown, we're finally starting to get there. Yeah. 
starting. But Joe Rogan isn't number one as <laughs> much yeah. anymore. You know? As much. As much, yeah. yeah. So he got knocked yeah. off a couple times. He still kind of is, but like sometimes he gets knocked out a little. <laughs> it took royalty to get to that, but hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll quote, put that in quotes. Um, but yeah, no, that's absolutely that big conversation is when we're looking at podcasting and what it is and how it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger and becoming a moneymaker and a huge moneymaker at that, uh, who actually owns this content, who actually is profiting off this content, who actually is being seen and noticed. Um, and it's typically white men, white cis men, and this is who has been uh, gaining the bigger ground. And the conversation beyond that is that it's very Western-centric in that it's just one type of point of view, mm-hmm. and it's just spreading into, like, this is the norm, kind of why we see, uh, yes, being white is big Korea and China because yeah. they have that really in their mind. This is this is the supremacist ideals. We want to be there, so therefore we all want to be very literally white because this yeah. is that standard of rich and being on the hierarchy of things. And then trying to realize, oh, this is like the Western idea that's been really pushed out there because of colonialization, all of those conversations that we've had. And yeah, when it comes to um, the Middle East, we constantly have to talk about it. It's either in this perspective of, yeah, they're they're war-torn and they're just destroying themselves or, oh, we've got to go rescue them because they are yeah. heathens because they don't believe what we believe or some of those things when we know actually the underlying reason is because they will have money there yeah. as in like resources that the U.S. wants and have taken false reasoning to, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, protect the people there. But that's a whole different conversation in itself and took me a long time to yeah. figure that out for myself growing up in a very white household, which we all, yeah. all talked about. But beyond that, we see that, again, this is one of those moments where we have a moment in this industry. It's fairly still new so that we can make a big change. And I say we, as in marginalized people, can actually make a big change and be a part of that change as well. Uh, Recently, we did a Monday Mini where statistics came out for those who are actually creators with the fact that it's 51% white creators, uh, only 14% are African-American, only 24% are Latinx, and only 5% are Asians. And then 6%, we don't know. They don't say their ethnicity. So that is such a big difference in numbers. And then we talk about uh, women and men and those non-binaries, any of those. uh, Those numbers are all, guess what, pretty much baking on the... uh, cisgender ideals and very binary in itself. Why do we need voices like your podcast and hopefully more podcasts where marginalized people are able to tell their stories? Why do you think that's important? I think just like learning any perspective that's not yours is huge because like the more you understand how other people have to live and what they go through, it creates more empathy within you. And I think that's like really what we lack uh, in America because it's so much of like a get ahead sort of mentality, like be number one, be successful, that we don't care about who we step on or, you know, like push aside to get there. And I think that really stems from a lack of empathy and this like obsession with capitalism. Like, we cannot stop. We feel like, oh, if you don't work hard, then you're going to be the person who's starving. And no one stops to be like, okay, but like, what about the people who are actually starving and don't have the opportunities and don't have the privilege to get further in life because systematically we've just held them down, you know? And I think we have to be listening more to these stories to understand why we literally 
need to tone it down. Like, we don't need this. There's enough wealth to go around. That's like the real, the realistically, like, you know, and I've, you know, we've heard this argument of like, we need to, the billionaires don't need that much money. Obviously, you, to be a billionaire, like, you could be a, literally, you could have $500 million and you could still, for the most part, live the same life that you're living as a billionaire. So literally taking $500 million of your own money and distributing it doesn't change your life that much. But it would change so many more people's... Like, you know, like it just even like conceptually of like, just have even the slightest bit of empathy to understand what people are going through and make it less about you as a human being and more about like survival of the masses and like so much can change like how do you know how much change 500 million dollars could bring to a community of people like we need to hear people's stories we need to know what's going on like we need to understand who is suffering and why take that into consideration and then use our actions like actions speak louder than words I mean that's such a cliche saying but it's very true like you can be like I get it I see you and I hear you. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then what? It's like improv, you know? You're like, <laughs> and, you know, yes, and? <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it if you hear me right. and see me and see what I'm, you know, like, okay, now let's do something about it. Let's put, right. you know, whether it's put your money where your mouth is or just take the steps to try and be a part of the solution. Like, it doesn't, you know, us as, like, the regular folk who, obviously, I'm not a millionaire, but, like, if I can donate here or there, I do because, like, I understand, like, I might not be giving the most, but I'm giving something. And if we all just gave something, it does help. It makes a difference. That's why I think it's important. (laughs) Well, you know, that's one of the things... um, that you do for with the podcast that I think is really great is that you make sure to give a platform for so many people who are not able to share their stories or share just their life in general. I just literally shared when I was on the podcast with you about my experience as being an Asian person in a white community and growing up in a conservative town and how I've had to like redefine my identity because I've been told, you know, we, we had that whole big conversation and that not that's not a story that's not heard on podcast. But I know Mm -hmm. like beyond that, you do that for so many other creators and or just people just living their life and talking about, yeah, this is my experience as A, B, and C ethnicity or A, B, and C race. And this is why it matters for you to understand who I am as a person. And I think stuff like that is a bigger conversation is that we need to give these open moments to show representation because it's also that commonality of like, they're normal people. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it's not the stereotype that I thought because yeah. my parents taught me that way. Yeah, which is like a massive systematic problem of like thinking because like everyone thinks a certain way because they've been told to think that way for so long. And it just takes one person to be like, oh, I don't think that's real. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, like in most families, it rocks the boat if you have one right. person being like, I don't know, dad. I feel like that's like a very narrow-minded way of thinking. And your dad's like, how dare you? Exactly. But then like... In a weird way, like, just saying that, even if it doesn't turn the person to, like, understand your viewpoint, just challenging them a little bit 
is an interesting thing because they do for a second have to think about it. And just cracking that sort of thinking process for even one second is surprisingly doing something. Mm -hmm. Because like now they've had a moment of like, hmm, even if they're in deep denial and don't want to give in, they've had that moment. And you never know. It might potentially in the future change the way they think even slightly which is like what we have to do. That's the problem. It's like you have to go like bit by bit by bit because we as Americans are very hard-headed and, and you know, stuck in our ways. And like that's what we've watched for years, like one little bit by bit by bit that we've kind of broken down the American society. You know, like we got Bernie, a socialist, to run as far as he did, which, you know, 10 years ago, Bernie would be like, a socialist? Get out of here, you, you know, like you communist. Like, we didn't even know what that meant, you know. We were just yeah. hoping a Democrat would win. And now yeah. we're out here being like, Democrat? <laughs> okay, a Democrat? You're basically calling, your, you know, like a Democrat in our minds is basically a Republican at this point. We're like, okay, nice try. But like now it's just like step by step by step. It's the only way because, again, as Americans, we're a mess. <laughs> we simply Indeed. can't figure it out. Indeed. It's true. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. 
Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, speaking of all of this and and taking actions, doing more than words, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you, Anna, is that you founded something called Next Up to kind of address a lot of what we're talking about. And uh, we would love if you could explain more about the history of that, what it is, what's going on with it right now. Yeah, so actually, um, I kind of came up with the idea of Next Up, which obviously wasn't called that at the time, but... uh, at the Orlando podcast movement that we were all at in the Lazy River where all great thinking happens. <laughs> um, I really can't stress Unless you're how much I, I love a Lazy River. I know. You guys had such a terrible experience and I had such a great experience in that Lazy River. It was like my dream. I think it says a lot about our personality. <sighs> yeah, I think it's... our anxiety, maybe some mental health stuff, <laughs> overall control issues. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I, I simply cannot get enough of a Lazy River. Anyway, <laughs> so while at podcast movement, I ran into a friend, uh, Afif, Nisuli, who's a journalist, uh, now works at Spotify, Gimlet, Wall Street Journal, uh, producing shows. And he was there at this uh, conference with this sort of Google PRX, like, diversity program. And at the time, uh, my friend Afif lived in Lebanon. So to me, I was like whoa, you live in Lebanon and are in this program and are like creating a podcast and like Google, you know, PRX, this program is paying for it. Like, that's amazing. Like an incredible, I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. The fact that they like fly you out from Lebanon, like that's incredible. And he was working on a show called Her Stage uh, in Arabic. I believe it's Masrahia, which... I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But uh, Her Stage is basically a show about like the uh, sort of femme, sort of, you know, like uh, LGBTQIA revolutions like going on in Lebanon, like kind of the underground scene of what it is to be a drag queen or a performer or just living in like a queer space. And I was like, that's a really cool podcast. And that's incredible that... This program is paying for you to create that show uh, because these stories are important. Like, I would have never even known that. Like, that was even a conceptually something that was happening until he said it to my face. And I was like, okay, well, wow, like, that's incredible. And so that kind of got me thinking that and uh, if you guys don't remember, Spotify's had a sort of initiative for women to get into podcasting. So that was kind of had already happened. So that was in the back of my mind. And then hearing his story kind of got me thinking. And so at, you know, really, literally in my mind, I was thinking, but we're iHeart. Why don't we have something like that? Like we're literally iHeart. We're like constantly neck and neck with NPR as like the top podcast network. Surreal that we would not have something like that. So I cornered our CEO at our iHeart party at Orlando at the podcast movement. And I told him, I pitched him this idea. I was like, I think it's pretty wild that we do not have a sort of diversity initiative here. Like we are a massive company. 
we can afford to give back, you know? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in his Connell way, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And so after that, I was like, BRB, Connell, we'll talk soon, you know? Mm-hmm. I went away uh, for about a few months and uh, started working on like a pitch. Um, I interviewed a bunch of people, including my friend Afif, who had been in these diversity programs. I talked to a few people from the Spotify program. I talked to a few people from the PRX. And and I was just like asking people like, what was your experience? What did you like? What didn't you like? What could have made it better? You know, like just like getting a feel of what people liked about these podcast diversity programs. Because I I really would had never done anything like this before. So I, I was just... Asking anything that came to mind to then go away and create a sort of a program. Like I I was just literally being like, okay, so you liked that they gave you money. (laughs) You know, it was really, (laughs) I was on such a simple, just trying to figure it out level that I went away and with the help of Jack O'Brien, my manager uh, on the comedy side, just like kind of using him as like a sounding board, being like, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, And then he kind of helped me word it in a way that sounded like professional. Because I am a real, like, in my thinking, I'm a very simple person. I guess that makes me sound strange. But like, I, (laughs) I like to keep it to the basics. I don't like to get too heady and complicated and like, I mean, not like deep. I can get deep, but I mean, like, I don't like to like use big language to sound smart, you know? Like, I always think that's like so condescending in a way. It's too much. I'm like, just be real with me. Talk clearly. Let's do this. So I don't sit there thinking like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Be very literal. Give me the basics. Move on. (laughs) Exactly. That's how I've always been. I, I don't believe in like the sounding smart to sound smart. Like, I'm like, we don't need this. Climate change is destroying us. We don't have time, you know, like, (laughs) we got to get moving. Explain to me exactly what you want, you know, (laughs) and what you're saying. Like, keep it clear. So he kind of helped me, like, make it sound professional, make it sound good, whatever. (laughs) And uh, so I took this pitch and, you know, it took a while because this was end of sort of like August 2019 when I pitched it to Connell and then I went away and then... 2020 came around and I realized I kind of, it wasn't possible to do this thing where we like flew people out for like six months and like worked with them. It was all of a sudden like, oh, there's a global pandemic. Exactly. And we, I basically like put it on the back burner and was like, well, let's get through this first. And then I'll think about this diversity program. Because as of now, things are kind of in a bad place in America or in the world, (laughs) really. Yes. So, and then, you know, it's an unfortunate thing that George Floyd was murdered, you know, um, in such a really horrible, horrible way. And, you know, this country finally took a black man again being murdered, but on camera, which is not even the first time that's happened, uh, to have a reckoning. I mean, honestly, it also took like everyone just finally being fed up in this country's inability to even handle a global pandemic as if it's not happened before uh, to force everyone to take a look at themselves and, you know, what they were putting forth. And that's what 
kind of led to me being able to pitch next up in a more revised pandemic friendly way, which is like Zoom, you know, yes, to the company. So I was like, okay, you know, you guys want to do something? Well, here's something. Here's something that we can put forth that will help bring further perspectives into this world. And this is iHeart. So <laughs> you want to do something? Put your money where your mouth is. You know, like I was like, let's make it happen. And luckily, right. you know, we're run by Connell, who is very forthcoming and very open and very into it. You know, he's down. And he was like, let's do it. Go do it, basically. I got the <laughs> thumbs up, but like, have fun. Go do it. Good luck. And uh, <laughs> good luck and good night. No, I'm just joking. But, you know, he was like, go do it. And so I did. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay. You know, I obviously before that, I had created an entire game plan. I had created a budget. I had created all this stuff that obviously, it wasn't just like, go do it. It was more like, here's right. everything to present to you. Here's what I would like to do. Here's how much money I need. And then they were like, perfect. Let's do it. So, yeah, we, the first Inaugural class of Next Up started August 2021, and we finished the program basically February of 2022. We had eight participants in the program, and all eight uh, had their shows picked up by iHeart uh, with the help of Toyota, who came in and sponsored the entire Next Up initiative. So we were able to pick up all their shows. And to give an idea, so the initiative is we bring in, originally it was supposed to be only six people, but I just, I, I there were certain cuts I just could not make. Yeah. Like I honestly, I became so emotionally involved. I couldn't, it was like cutting off a limb to cut off <laughs> certain people from this program, you know? Yeah. And so it ended up with eight people in the program and we paid for all their equipment. We paid for all their software, and then they went through an intensive two-week orientation where they basically got like a crash course in all things podcasting, which thanks to everyone at iHeart who uh, contributed to that. And this has all happened over Zoom. After their two weeks, they basically started working on their podcast, which it was a six-month program. Um, they also got a stipend for their time, so they were paid during this uh, program. Um and so after six months, they had three episodes of their podcast completed and a one-page document or a pitch deck, whichever they prefer, created. So with the help of us, uh, me, Joel Monique, uh, Yesenia Median, and yeah, so we helped them put all this together. Uh, and they also had mentors throughout this process, uh, other iHeart employees, and then they were able to pitch their show to iHeart, to the development team, shout out Bethann, uh, to have their shows picked up. And thanks to Toyota, all their shows were picked up. And they're now currently, I believe, half have dropped and the other half are basically coming out. So all year they've been, the shows have been dropping, which has been incredible. Like we've had so many different podcasts come out of it. You know, we had Hane Twitchell, who has a show about Native American language revitalization. We have Dr. Uh, Jonathan Higgins, whose show is called Black Fat Femme, which is all about the intersection of being a black person with, you know, feminine characteristics and being a fat person in America, which, you know, a lot of people are not 
interested in these sorts of stories. But guess what? These people exist and we need to hear about their experiences. Maria Diaz is putting out a show, will be out soon, called When You're Invisible, which is all about the people who work behind the scenes to, you know, basically the backbones of this country. And she actually interviewed the people who cleaned up New York after 9-11. Literally the people who had to risk their lives, literally like, you know, immigrants who went into the streets and had to clean up the debris after our country went through such a tragic experience. You know, it's like, it's not us doing it. We pay the people that we don't pay attention to, to do all the sort of behind the scenes. Uh, Anything Americans are like, ew, I don't want to do that. You know, like just like really horrible where we're like just monsters and we just pay people to do that. Well, those people uh, have true experiences and they have their own stories to tell. So, you know, Maria went to talk to them. You know, she went to talk to the house cleaners, the cooks, the people who get looked down on in our society, even though they are the people that keep us moving every single day. And so, yeah, we had a lot of great shows like that come out of this program. And it was like all I could have ever wanted. (laughs) It was such a dream working with all these incredible creators who just didn't have an opportunity to get their foot in the door in podcasting. Because really, podcasting is a very, you know, it might sound easy to get into. You're like, it's just a mic. You talk into it. It's not, you know. Equipment costs money, software costs money, training costs money. Like we're using stuff like Pro Tools and Audition to edit. It's not easy to just come into these programs and figure it out. It takes time. It takes energy. A lot of people don't have that. And so they can't tell their stories because it's not like a very uh, open industry to anyone. So yeah, that's kind of what... Next up is, and we're doing the next round of the program starting in January 2023. And if you keep your eye out, there is an application that will be out there. Right. Which I will give the link to Annie and uh, Samantha to put in the description. So So is that all they need to do if they are interested in being a part of this program to find that link? Yeah. Fill out application. Simple as that. It's And it's also like not a... Give me a 10-page essay on why you matter. No, I also, one of the big things about this whole process was like, I'm not going to make this a jump through hoops application. This application is going to be a simple, tell me about yourself. Like, I hate the things that really make it be like, you really have to want this. And it's like, you do have to want it, but I'm not going to be the person who demands so much to make you prove to me you're worth my time. No, this is, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I believe in a very egalitarian, like, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've experienced. Like, I don't care if you have a resume. I don't care if you've ever (laughs) even looked at an audio file before. I just want to know that you're passionate about something and interested in being involved. And I don't need an essay for that. Yes. I think a lot of like... Again, like the American sort of like system is like fight to the death. And it's like that to me is uninteresting. When I see an application that's like 30 pages long, I'm like, okay, all right. Right. That's that's a bit much. You don't need that much for me to know anything about me. Like I can tell you in a tight paragraph my adversity, what I've gone through, like how I deal with issues and what I want to do with my life. Right. A, a solid paragraph, I could tell you that. And you don't need me to like, you know, 
pontificate on my feelings and everything I've, you know, analyzed. Like, it's too much. We need to be able to give people opportunities without making them jump through a hundred hoops to do so, you know? Right, right. And that's how I've always been. I've been like, I'm not, I've never been interested in like the, the, the hoopla. I just want to, I just want to give people opportunities. That's it. Right. Make it a simple process because that's what I think, that's what I generally think gets people through. Right. I think what holds people back, what gatekeeps people is like when you're like, hmm. You couldn't write 40 pages on yourself. Right. right. And it's like what the whole process of college is now where they're like, write yes. an essay. And you're like, I, you know, sure. Right. But like, I got into college and I think my essay was like, dude, being a brown person in this country after 9-11, not chill. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in. It's like, it should be as simple as like, I don't like how we treat people in this country. Right. <laughs> it's horrible. I love that. Yeah. No, uh, there is this morbid fascination with getting the most tragic stories as possible that people really yeah. want to have and thrive on other people's tragedy to that level that the more tragic it is, the more likely that you're going to be heard. And it becomes yeah. problematic in so many ways, obviously, because that's that whole level of white saviorism, like all this yeah. level of like uh, feeling like you have to be at death's door to get hurt or seen or to be dead before you recognize uh, exactly. anything or even talking about the problems that you face. That's part of that problem. And also feel very seen because when it comes to writing and or trying to make a point, I am that bad storyteller that just says the one line that's important and forgets the detail that I'm like... And that's my story. So thank you, Anna, for <laughs> seeing me in my yeah. bad storytelling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's like that sort of like, I don't need anyone to be college educated. Like, I just need you to be passionate about wanting to tell your story. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need. That's all we need. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in, for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kind of think you've already answered this question, but just to kind of relay, why do you think initiatives like the one that you've created with Next Up are so important, especially for our industry? Because I think opportunity for people who are gatekept is very key. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I'm like, why are we making it so hard for people to podcast? Like, I I don't think it's necessary. I think it's almost like embarrassing how self-important we've made podcasting. Like, it shouldn't be so hard to tell your story. Like, that that's why I think it's important. I don't believe that podcasting is this grand sort of, wow, like, what, a, like, certain podcasts that take themselves so seriously and truly believe they're doing like the Lord's work. I'm like, are you, what is going on here? You're talking into a microphone. Yes, it's well-researched. Anyone can pay for a well-researched podcast. Like you just have money. It's just yeah. relax a little. Right. I don't know. I just think that sort of scene within podcasting is too much. And so that's, and of course, that's a personal opinion. And that's just like why I think we just need more voices, more people. I I don't think there should be any gatekeeping whatsoever in podcasting. And I understand when you use programs like Pro Tools, like it's unfortunate that it's such a tough program to get into, to break Mm -hmm. into. And I think I taught myself a lot of how to use Pro Tools. I'm lucky that I had college courses that taught me how to use audio editing programs. Not a lot of people get that opportunity. I'm like very lucky in that I got that opportunity that my college even offered those courses. So then like, why would I not take that opportunity to then make it easier for other people to get in? You know, like I don't, I don't like the idea of taking my privilege and gatekeeping with it. You know, it's like, no, take your privilege and open a door for someone else. And again, it's it's me opening a door for eight people. That's a very small step in the grand scheme of things. But that's all it takes. It's Like I said earlier, it's just like one small step, one mm-hmm. small hand over something. You know, like I give $1 to you. Okay. You know, it's like, it's just, you have to do the small things that you can do in order to move, you know, 
things very slightly, which is all we can do. Because again, like I said, as Americans, it's you can't you know, one big push. Everyone's like, whoa, yeah. you know, like we can't even get a woman president. Like we're still not even there yet, <laughs> right. you know. Right. <laughs> but does the little things matter? And I think people don't really understand that. They go like, but it's too small. What difference is it going to make? But it's like, if everyone does something small, it does make a difference. So mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Yeah. I love it. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have any advice you'd like to give to people who are like starting in podcasts or who have a podcast and want to do more with it? Yeah. If you have a podcast... Just keep working on it. I think people get very discouraged when their show doesn't pop off. It's very hard to pop off a show um, because podcasting is such an impacted space. Uh, I don't think that should stop you because like, so like I, how I like think of it, my podcast, Ethnically Ambiguous, it's not a huge podcast, but if it's just like one person feels less alone because of my show, then I feel like I'm like, okay. That's enough for me, you know? I think small steps should be looked at in like a bigger light because it's hard in this world to make something that everyone appreciates. But I think if you make something you appreciate and you think is good, then I think you should keep going at it. I also don't believe podcasting, making a great podcast should be as hard as people try and make it seem. Uh, Just if you are doing something about like a topic, just like read, you know, read about it, do your research and you can talk. Honestly, there's luckily there are so many really good cheap USB mics now. Like you can get a cheap USB mic and record into GarageBand, which is a program that's already on your computer, or you can record into Audacity. Like there's like these different programs that you can get for free that you can record into and you can get a cheap USB mic for like 25 to 30 to 40 bucks. It's not going to be the best, best mic, but it's something to start with. And you can go from there. And you can also work with different platforms like Libsyn, Anchor FM. Like there's all these like platforms that allow you to pay by the amount of audio, like uh, storage you want to upload, if you will. So it's like, you know, 25 MB to like whatever, 100 gigs or you can pay by a certain plan to host your podcast. And a lot of these programs, you can apply for their like AdWiz sort of, where they basically help you sell ads on your show. It's not going to be a ton of money, but it's like these little small steps that will help you grow your show. So there's a lot of different things you can do as an independent podcaster to work on your show. And also there's different ways to promote your show, which is like what I used to do back in the day, I would go to like every news, like LA Times, whatever, like all these different sites and just like look at their editorial boards and see who writes about what you're talking about on your show. Get their email, make a little like a press release, which is pretty simple. You can literally Google what press releases look like and mimic them and then send press releases for your show. Like there's these little steps you can take that like, look, at first people are going to be like, what? And ignore your email. But if you consistently do it every month, someone will respond like, oh, okay. You know, like it's these little things that you just have to do if you're doing something independently that are actually very possible and people just like don't tell you how to do it. And I just had to figure it out myself, you know, and I just would like Google or, you know, if there's something you want to do on like an editing app, but you don't know how, dude, YouTube, 
everyone is telling you how to do everything on YouTube. <laughs> I learned how to do everything on YouTube. If I have to do something on Photoshop and I'm like, wait, what? How do I do that? I just Google it. Guess what? Some person has been like in-depth explaining it for years. And that's like the incredible thing. You can watch anything on YouTube and learn how to do everything. And yeah, I just, you know, those are my little small tips to success in podcasting. Nice. <laughs> that's the clear. Excellent tips. I feel like Samantha and I are taking notes. This is I all am. for us. This um, is mainly for me. <laughs> no. Well, Anna, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. It was a delight. Um, we would love to have you back again. Can you tell the good listeners where they can find you? Yes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anna Hosnier, A-N-N-A-H-O-S-S-N-I-E-H. You could tweet at me if you have any questions about podcasting. I'll respond. If I see it, I'll respond. Uh, as long as you're not being mean to me, I usually will respond to you. <laughs> you can... Follow me on Instagram at sellinghostnie, which is S-E-L-L-I-N-G-H-O-S-S-N-I-E-H, which again, if you DM me, I will see it. And if you're not being mean to me, I'll most likely respond to you if you have a question or want to talk about something. <laughs> or if you're like, how do I get into next up? I'll tell you. I'm very much open to helping people get into podcasting or, you know, anything. Uh, as long as you're not being mean to me, I'm a very sensitive soul, uh, <laughs> then I will respond to you. And you can check out my podcast, Ethnically Ambiguous, that I host with Shereen Lani Yunez. We're on iHeart. Just you can search Ethnically Ambiguous <laughs> Podcast and we'll pop up. We're on all the platforms. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, if you follow me on social media, you'll see like all the other shows I promote at all times and you'll know that I work on them. Yes, <laughs> she does. Yes, it's quite quite a few. It's very impressive. Still trying to figure uh, out how you're sleeping, but okay. Yes. When you sleep. <laughs> I'm not, you guys. I'm not sleeping. Oh, no. Okay, well. <laughs> and uh, we will post the link to the Next Step Initiative for any listeners who are interested. We very much encourage you to apply. And yeah, it's, it's so much amazing stuff you're doing, Anna. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes. And if you would like to contact us listeners, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I never told you is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
I'm late. I'm late. Very, very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.